This is The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a podcast going beyond the politics and policies to focus on the people who lead in our communities, states, and nation. Conversations that restore the civility we need in our politics, while promoting the integrity we need in our leaders. The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a resource from Oklahoma Capital Culture. Today on The Leaders We Need, I'm joined again by Cole Fakes, founder and CEO of So We Speak and host of the So We Speak podcast. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the topic of leadership and integrity. Do leaders matter? Well, perhaps you're not fully convinced, but thinking better of the nature of authority, the function of authority in society suggests they do. The first two steps of the approach for engaging leaders in the book, When Leaders Matter, involves a challenge to better distinguish between the position of leadership and the person in that position. There is a distinction. The person is not the same thing as their position. A growing ability to separate the function of leadership from the person in a position of authority is important if we are to pursue civility, integrity, and the servant leaders we really need. Where we focus our attention, that's another result of this approach. When a person and the position are distinct in our mind, we can apply focused attention on one regardless of the other. The difference can be subtle, but always significant. And here's why. Leaders are, first of all, people. The various labels of political party, the The policies they promote or the philosophies they champion can fade away when we see them primarily as a person. We gain empathy for the people navigating tense and difficult responsibilities. We don't have to take their political actions as personal offenses when we uh, disagree with them or they're different than our own. We can disagree without disrespecting. Now we can move to the final step of this approach, asking more of leaders. Maybe what you'd like to ask of a leader pertains to a particular problem or challenge in your life or your community. And there are actions leaders can take and policies they can champion that will help. It's right and appropriate to have these discussions with leaders. When we have leaders who faithfully fulfill the functions of their authority, it is so good for society. But before this, consider one more implication of thinking of leaders, first of all, as people. What we need most in a leader is that they are a person of integrity. Thanks for joining us today as we ask more of our leaders. And the more we ask of them is to lead with integrity. When Leaders Matter, How Civility, Integrity, and the Leaders We Need Are Possible by Dr. Joel W. Harder. Forward, written by Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt. And when Leaders Matter, Chaplain Joel Harder presents a three-step approach to engage leaders and restore the civility we need in our politics while promoting the integrity we need in our leaders. When that happens, leaders will be able to work and inspire our communities, states, and nation to address the real problems we are facing and navigate a way forward that will benefit all of us. When Leaders Matter, how civility, integrity, and the leaders we need are possible. Available now on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and BarnesandNoble.com. Well, Cole, I want to thank you for joining me again today to discuss leadership and integrity. To get us started, 
Why is integrity such an important quality that we need, particularly in leaders? Joel, that's a really good question. And in the book, one of the things that becomes clear is there is a quality that runs under all of the other things that you're talking about, and it would be integrity. Mm -hmm. It's in the subtitle because it's a fixture of this approach. And one of the reasons that I came away with is because so much of leadership is about trust. And integrity is trustworthiness. It's not a matter of whether or not you agree or disagree with the person, but can you trust that person? And so when it comes to integrity in a leader, to me, I think of, can I trust this person or not? Um, are they a person of character? So today I wanted to ask you about how integrity is developed in leaders and the, maybe the signs that we look for or uh, the kinds of things that we expect from our leaders when it comes to integrity. It's important to, to realize that you know, integrity is something that's being formed in us over time. Uh, it's, it's like anything that has to do with our character. We're continually being shaped. The experiences of our lives, really up until the day we die, are continuing to shape our, our attitude, our perspectives, the way in which we think and respond. And all of it goes back to those things we really deeply believe. One of my favorite uh, thinkers about the shaping of leadership and the shaping of leaders is, is J. Robert Clinton. And he writes about the phases or the stages that leaders go through in developing their leadership. An important phase or stage that, that Clinton talks about is uh, the development of kind of the inner self stage. He writes that, you know, of all the things that develop in this stage, one of the most important things that develop is character. And of course, when you talk about character, uh, really what you're talking about is, are they a person of integrity? A guy I used to work with in, in young adult ministry, kind of working with young professionals in the D.C. area, had a great comment one time because younger people seem to really value authenticity. You know, that's that's a phrase you've probably heard. I know you do a lot of work with young professionals, emerging adults, and, and this idea of being authentic. Right whether it's being vulnerable or being honest, but you know, we, we don't want to hear a polished speech. We want to, we want to, we want to know who you really are uh, and what you really believe. I love what he said. Perhaps what younger generations call authenticity, older generations simply called integrity. Yeah. What a great, what a great way to put that because I think whatever you call it, it gets back to the heart of what you've just been talking about, which is character. Mm -hmm. So whether it's authenticity, whether it's integrity, you want to know that you're really experiencing who the person is, mm -hmm. seeing that they're a person of character. And in the book, you present nine marks of integrity, things to, to look yeah. at. And that's not by any means an exhaustive list, but a representative list of things to look for. What are these marks to look for? And why did you choose to focus on them? Yeah, well, it's not an exhaustive list, but it's a good place to start. You know, ultimately, when you're thinking about the idea of integrity, you're looking at the quality of the composition of something. Uh, I had a friend who still lives in Washington, D.C., and he called me the other day. He was stuck in traffic. Um, this was back in the days when there still was traffic, um, which those days will come back again. But he was stuck in traffic driving down the uh, Memorial Parkway, get out of D.C., get back to Northern Virginia to his home. And as we were as we were talking on the phone, he says, oh, yeah, there's just there's this pile up at this bridge. 
three or four times a month, a truck just smacks into that bridge and there's just debris everywhere. And there's always a backup because they got to get everything cleaned up so we can then get across the bridge. And I said, you know, man, if that bridge really gets hit that many times, I don't know that I'd drive over that bridge. Yeah. And of course, you know, you'd like to think that there are inspectors and they go and they make sure that the bridge will hold. But the idea is, you know, you're you're about to drive over that bridge. Is it really going to hold? You know, how many hits can that bridge take and still remain strong? This development of integrity is a development of an inner strength that hit after hit, blow after blow, you're able to remain strong. You're able to continue to lead with the same type of of character and the same type of honesty as as the first day you ran for office, the first day you assumed leadership. And so I wanted to dive into what really develops that kind of strength. And there were nine core virtues that I focused in on. Um, you know, the first is love. Mm-hmm. And that may seem like a very, uh, I don't know, love can seem really overused in our society. Everybody's talking about love and And in a way, love kind of gets romanticized or softened. Love is actually a a deeply sacrificial thing. It it goes to the very heart of who you really are. And and it's really out of love that people do really hard things, endure really difficult days because they have a, a love for the people that they're serving or leading, or they have a love for the the better future that they're trying to lead us to. In the book, when I really dive into the idea of love, uh, I try to demystify a little bit this idea that, you know, there are some people in our culture and society that just, they're just better at it than others. Um, or that love is some sort of mysterious substance. You know, some people who are just, you know, well-adjusted or, yeah. or, or more mature, they just, they just have... Well, actually, you know, love is something that we all receive and something we all experience and something we all share. And, you know, the, the more love you experience and receive, it, it builds up your ability to share uh, and to continue to, to demonstrate and show love. And, and truly, you know, the love that you need to be able to, to truly lead somebody well isn't necessarily something you just possess within yourself. And actually, you don't have to. Uh, it's something that can be provided to you. Uh, the best leaders I know that are serving in, in state office uh, are truly connected to their constituents and the people that they're serving. They have real stories, a real understanding of maybe the policy needs that will help the people they're serving. And it's out of a deep sense of sacrificial love for those people that they're serving and representing that they'll do the hard work of navigating the legislative process in order to try and create good public policy that will help them. Mm-hmm. When you realize that love is not something you just have to possess on your own, you, you realize that love is something that does allow you to not, not hold grudges. You know, mm-hmm. Love keeps no record of wrongs, as once once famously said. You don't have to necessarily advocate that you get all the recognition. I'm not going to just do something so that I can be seen for doing it. Love mm-hmm. is not self-seeking. When when you look at some of the best, you know, writers and thinkers on the nature of love, you see some of these people that write phrases like 
the greatest things that the human heart needs are hope, joy, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Love never ends. To lead with love is a lifelong pursuit. Mm-hmm. Those who have just who those who seem to have mastered it in our world are really just like toddlers learning to speak because mm. it's going to keep on going. We're going to keep getting better at the ability to truly lead with love. Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't want a representative that embodies the qualities that you're just talking about? Mm-hmm. Love is the ability to be others centered, and the stability to be others centered, as you said. A lot of times we think about people as just being loving. They are more loving than another person, or uh, sometimes we, we have a lot of things that we mean by the word love. But to find somebody to represent you, to find somebody to lead that truly has your best interest in mind, mm-hmm. that kind of love is not just a unique quality and one that grows throughout your life, but it's an essential quality in leadership. Thomas Aquinas, I think, famously defined love as willing the good mm-hmm. of another person. That idea of truly preferring that another person thrives is at the heart of what love is. It doesn't necessarily mean, quite frankly, it doesn't necessarily mean that you like the person or right. get along with them. Or Some people are just truly difficult to love. But if you truly desire good for them, that's love. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and you, you can lead with love even difficult people. So another of the virtues that I pulled out as a mark of integrity is the idea of kindness. And and I've got to be honest, I was a little nervous to talk about kindness in the book because kindness just seems trite. You know, kindness, it, it seems like something we prioritize with kids and we think less about as adults. And that's really tragic because when we get confronted with the real evils in our world, whether it be acts of just atrocity committed by another person or or people or a nation, uh, or even just the evil of natural disaster and lives that are lost, the antidote to evil in the world is kindness. And so it's really tragic that we seem to emphasize kindness less as we grow older but also, kindness is simple. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take a PhD to be kind. Uh, and kindness is also something that is universal. You don't have to uh, have the same worldview or background or political affiliation to understand and show kindness. Uh, one of my, I already mentioned Thomas Aquinas. One of my uh, favorite contributions of Thomas Aquinas is what is referred to in the Latin is the transcendentalia or the transcendentals. And the idea there is that, you know, there are these three things that are just transcendently good, true, or beautiful. But, but there's a catch. Not everything that is true is beautiful. Not everything that is good is also true. But always pay attention when you find something in this world that is at at the same time true, good, and beautiful, because it just might be divine. In a simple act of kindness, you have something that is undeniably good, altogether beautiful, and absolutely true. Leaders who will simply demonstrate and show a simple act of kindness— Maybe it's 
Maybe it's in a, a needed word to a constituent who's hurting that's maybe not agreeing with the leader. Or maybe it's, maybe it's saying something very accommodating or encouraging with a fellow legislator with whom you're disagreeing in a debate. Um, a simple act of kindness can completely transform the tone and the nature of the debate, of the dialogue. Honestly, it can turn a person's day around. Yeah, it definitely can. And it gets back to the core qualities of engagement that we've been talking about in, in these conversations that you talk about in the book is it's about people first. And kindness is the way that we treat people before we think about things like disagreements, policy. It's the general respect for another person is seen in, in kindness. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the qualities that stuck out to me in the book, I wouldn't say that I was necessarily surprised to see this one, but I learned a lot from the way that you explained how it might apply to leadership was gentleness. Mm-hmm. Talk about why you included that one. Yeah. Well, and, and gentleness, again, it's another one of those qualities that you're a little intimidated to, to talk to leaders about because mm-hmm. it, like kindness, it it seems something that we just don't emphasize a lot or seems something that we, again, put more of a priority on with children. Gentleness can so easily be confused as weakness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but gentleness and weakness are not the same thing. If ever you've truly struggled or failed, consider a time when you've just fallen flat on your face. And there's no question you're at fault. You screwed up. You messed up. So, I mean, really, Cole, tell me a time that you did that. No, yeah. I won't really make you tell me. Well, it's not that hard to think of times. <laughs> you know, when those moments come, you know, you can think about who was the person who truly helped you through that. Yes, mm-hmm. there are people that say, oh, it's okay, give you the pat on the back, or or there are the people that come alongside you and, and kind of get you back up and say, come on, keep on going. It's, you know, that's a failure, keep going. But but it's it's the people not just help move you forward and not just wallow in that failure. There's a light touch that they mm-hmm. are able to bring to that encouragement that's actually healing your heart and your soul. In the book of Galatians, there's a hypothetical that the author presents. And he says, and you imagine somebody's running a race, essentially, and they just have fallen. We're talking they're running hard, they fall flat on their face, full stop. Those who are mature, those who are, are spiritual is what he says, restore that person gently. Mm-hmm. This is where I, I really pulled all of these virtues from. It's from this passage in Galatians that after he's already presented all nine virtues, he gives a hypothetical and he says, it's, it's the one who restores that person gently. He focuses in on gentleness. Gentleness is the evidence of all the other virtues and qualities of integrity at work. Mm-hmm. So if you are a person that leads with love, that leads with peace, who leads with patience and kindness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control, if you're that kind of a leader, it will look like gentleness. And this is what it looks like in his hypothetical. To restore a person gently, it doesn't mean you just walk up to them and and just start barking at them. You know, come on, get on up. 
or, or worst of all, I'm sure you've never experienced this. They begin stating the obvious. Look at you. You're on the ground. Right. Like you didn't know that already. They stop. They sit down next to you. I mean, full stop, just like you. They help you to a seated position. Then they get you to a kneeling position, then back on your feet. And then arm under arm, they... They're, they're walking alongside you, getting forward momentum going again until you're jogging, until you're running, until you are moving again towards the goal. That's the picture of gentleness. And when you look at our political arena, you look at the problems we're facing as society, you look at the conflict and the disagreements that are out there, it's not as helpful to have leaders that are just barking the talking points of their side. But the ones who are able to truly empathize and gently help those who are hurting make all the difference. Yeah. And gentleness is certainly a rare quality. Uh, it reminds me of a great quote from Churchill. Where he, he talks about courage being one of the most important virtues because it guarantees all the others. That mm-hmm. if you have courage, you'll be able to stand on your convictions. And I think in the same way, gentleness is really the stamp of all of the other virtues because it's the way that they're experienced. And we think of overt displays of strength and um, overt leadership as what makes the largest impact. But if we think about the stories in our own lives, it's typically the times that we've been met with gentleness, maybe in ways that weren't as well publicized that really made the lasting impact. So like you were saying, the way you're treated when you fail, uh, the way that you're treated when you're embarrassed or you fall short, typically those are the moments that mold your character even more profoundly than the moments of success or mm-hmm. uh, the moments that are in the public eye. Yeah. For our time today, let's talk about just one more. It's the mark of self-control. And, you know, again, you think of gentleness and oftentimes you think, oh, well, let's just talk about self-control because I don't want to be confused as talking about about weakness. We have to talk about gentleness because self-control is coming. Right. Self-control is so important. Just consider this fact of physics. There is no force or power in the world that is stronger or greater or more powerful than the force required to subdue it. So when it comes to self-control, there's no power within you or ability or skill that you have sharpened that is stronger than the ability within you to be self-controlled. So if you really want strong leaders, you need leaders who have self-control. Self-control is the ability to understand the full limits of your power. We need leaders who will faithfully fulfill their responsibility. And when our leaders don't, it creates problems. You know, there's nothing worse than a leadership vacuum. Mm -hmm. Uh, Self-control is that ability in a leader to know and understand the full limits of their power and to exercise every ounce of the authority that they rightly hold, but never overstep it. And we need leaders who will exercise all of their authority, but not overstep it. The second reason, and this is probably the most obvious in in our history, is that it's usually not an outside influence or event that brings a leader down. 
it's usually some sort of internal arrogance or pride or something that just gets off track that leads a person to self-destruct. Sadly, regrettably, a lot of times we see that self-destruction will result in in a lot of people being hurt. When our leaders fall, that hurts all of us. Leaders that we have a lot of we have a lot of expectations for, when they let us down, it can make us become cynical of leaders. Leaders have families. I just read yesterday uh, in the church world another really prominent leader who kind of overstepped their bounds and then was removed from leadership. Now, it's probably been a year or two, and I heard just this weekend committed suicide. Has four children. So, you know, when when leaders get off track internally, it can lead to a self-destruction that will leave people wounded and and hurting and grieving. And so self-control is that ability to, to hold yourself in check and not fall victim to pride or arrogance and then become disqualified. And the last reason that self-control is so needed in our leaders is that the leaders who who truly demonstrate self-control, they will have the respect of the people that they lead. The people will give that respect freely and they will give that trust, that public trust, because they respect their ability to be self-controlled. And so we need leaders who are self-controlled for those three reasons. Yeah, definitely. And the point that you made, self-control doesn't just affect the leader. It affects everyone around them. And a lack of self-control certainly affects everyone around them. You know, hearing you talk about that brings up another question that I think everybody who thinks about leadership grapples with. And, and that is, what about when leaders clearly demonstrate a lack of integrity, yeah. whether that's a lack of self-control whether that's a lack of love or kindness or gentleness or, or a lack of any of the other qualities. What about when a leader clearly doesn't have integrity? Yeah, that's a great question. This is why I've become so convinced that the three-step approach in the book When Leaders Matter works. So if you remember, the first step, believe leaders matter, learn to distinguish the difference between the person and the position, focus on on the person Uh, regardless of the position. The second step is to ask more for them. And we've already talked about that in previous episodes. So when a leader clearly lacks the integrity or obviously demonstrating through their actions that they seem to be lacking the integrity, well, now you know just what to ask for them. Now you know how to pray for them. Now you know exactly the kinds of things to encourage them with, not to guilt them, uh, that, that doesn't necessarily get you very far. But as you reach out and continue to engage with leaders, you know exactly how to encourage them. And you, you have a vocabulary now. Also, you know, I'm not in any way naive about the reality of the political process. There are times when leaders so clearly lack the integrity, we are left with n- no other alternative than to remove them from leadership. And that is why we are blessed to live in representative democracy. We get to vote and choose our leaders. But so often, we jump to that conclusion or that action solely because they hold a different perspective or view, not really because of the deeper integrity questions. Mm-hmm. They don't have to agree, but they do have to faithfully execute their role as a leader and champion the things they believe honestly and openly. 
And the good thing, when those differences of opinion are brought into the real work of, of legislating, that's where you get the innovation, solutions to complex problems. Yeah, you know what to ask for them. Also, we do have the democratic process. So let me kind of close our time and just give a quick final thought about integrity. So maybe as you're reading these nine marks, there are other things that you, you can say, well, he didn't talk about this. You know, you mentioned courage. Didn't talk about that in the nine marks. Great. Add that in. That's one more dimension to integrity that you can be asking of our leaders. Those that may be reading or listening to this podcast that say, you know, those nine characteristics, those nine virtues, they seem familiar. Well, they may be familiar to you because they are listed as the fruit of the Spirit. So why the fruit of the Spirit? Why am I telling you this? Being a person of integrity, well, well, that's important by itself. But what is better is putting that integrity into practice in such a way that it creates the sort of change that we need in the leadership culture. There's a statement before these nine virtues are listed, and it tells us essentially what we are to do with them. And the statement is this, it is for freedom that you have been set free. There is a deep freedom of the soul that can exist in you no matter what's happening around you or to you. And these nine virtues paint a robust picture of what that freedom looks like. But it is for freedom's sake that you have been set free. So what does it look like to put it into practice? Well, it, it looks like this. When there's someone that you know or that you will encounter whose situation is truly cruel, the integrity of these nine virtues put into practice, well, your simple act of kindness can shine bright into the darkness of their situation. Or when all the forces in our culture seem to be pressing us to hate or to fear, you possess love that drives out fear. Or when someone is suffering pain or tragedy, you can confront it with goodness that will soothe their sorrow. Or when you become discouraged by the division or the strife that just seems to have gripped our nation and world, you can project a deep piece of the soul into that conflict, quieting the noise and rebuilding trust and confidence in the integrity of our still great society. That's the integrity that we need in our leaders, and that's what it will produce when we put it into practice. Thank you for listening to The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a podcast from Oklahoma Capital Culture. Oklahoma Capital Culture is a nonprofit organization shaping a culture of civility, integrity, and servant leadership among policymakers through nonpolitical and nonpartisan engagement. Learn more about Oklahoma Capital Culture and how you can help shape the leadership culture at www.capitalculture.com. Original music heard on The Leaders We Need, provided by Scott Allen Matthews at mypodcastmusic.com.